On the evening of December the 2nd, 1977, the advisory or leadership board gathered at St. Paul's Brewer Street to meet their new rector for the very first time. In the opening devotional, a much younger Barry Parker said this as we discussed what it would take for the church to meet and engage the reality of life head on. Human nature reflexively wants us to bury our heads in the sand when confronted with tough things, bad news or crises. The church is no different. It appears that when monumental or catastrophic events are upon us, not the fall of Jerusalem perhaps, but the fall of Christendom, not the end of the world, but the end of cultural Anglicanism as we have known it in this country, well, these challenges can lead us to an inevitable ostrich-like theology, bury our heads in the sand, to practice the theological and ministry introversion. It's a natural tendency to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, but not helpful. Remarkably, but not surprisingly, when monumental life events and seeming catastrophic things of one stripe or another are upon us, Jesus tells us to actually keep our heads up. Jesus said, now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. We are called to a spiritual, theological, and ministry extroversion. We need to be looking out to see God-given opportunities, the movement of the Spirit in life. We are called to be a missional church. Well, I concluded my first board meeting in 1977 with this. My prayer for you and St. Paul's is that we will stop chattering about mission because when our heads are buried in the sand, all that comes out is a muffled noise. Rather, the potential gathered here this evening and this day to further the kingdom of God in so many ways is quite extraordinary. <clears throat> well, since that evening, I've had the great privilege of, for 23 years of seeing kingdom ministry extended in so many numerous and extraordinary ways at and through St. Paul's Bloor Street. So many people in countless ways, in spite of the challenges and crises of the day, sought to worship, pray, serve, and follow Jesus. St. Paul's Bloor Street has been blessed to be a blessing. Yet none of this happened by accident. There have been core biblical principles driving our ministry forward. We just heard them read for us in our scripture reading from the very last verses of the Gospel of Matthew. So let's consider Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It's usually called the Great Commission. It is that moment at the conclusion of Matthew's Gospel when Jesus leaves his disciples and then commissions them to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. The missionaries are sent out. Well, my understanding of this passage has changed over the years, and here is what I have learned. We are all missionaries. This is not the purview of those with a perfect faith. You who are baptized are missionaries. But this isn't super Christian sending. What this passage tells us is that Jesus sends broken, fallible, imperfect people into the world to live into hope and meaning that he has given your life to be a witness, a testimony to the love that God has for all people. To gain life, as Jesus reminds us, is to first lose our lives. So may I say as politely as possible, at St. Paul's we are all losers. Then we are sent out to make a difference. 
The resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead, which all of this is built upon, is like God's massive restart button for creation. This passage gives us Jesus' instructions for what this restart will look like. This is God's mission for the new world. And this passage that we just heard shows us three primary things about God's mission. The first is that it is a messy movement. Consider verse 16. Jesus' followers gather. It says that some worshipped him and some doubted. The disciples all worshipped Jesus when they saw him post-resurrection, but some still doubted. I find great comfort in that. When we as followers of Jesus embrace our doubts, it humbles us and opens us up to be able to truly listen to others. I found that when I listen to others tell me or show me their faith journey in life and even into death, no matter how radically different it is from mine, I learn something new about God and my relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> faith is not putting God in a box and tying it up with a neat bow of correct doctrine. Faith is encountering the resurrected Jesus and grappling with the radical implications of that reality for me, for us, for the universe. This missionary faith is moving into all the world, into life with all that we encounter, no exceptions. Our doubt keeps us human. It keeps us learning and leaning in for more understanding. Faith is messy, but it keeps us engaged with the world, knowing that we do not have all the answers, nor do we have to. However, we believe in a dynamic living God of hope who has the present and the future in his hands. A life of following Jesus is a messy, hopeful, and purposeful movement into the world. Well, the second thing and element that we learn about living our faith at St. Paul's is that God's mission is about life formation. Jesus reminded the disciples that his authority is over all things. He wasn't sending them out to reclaim the world for God. That's already a done deal. It already belongs to God. But notice three little things in this section of life formation. One, it's about experiencing life. Jesus isn't actually sending the disciples. The imperative in this phrase, in this text, is not the word go. It is the word, one word, make disciples. The tense of the word go might be better understood to read, as you are going. In other words, as you are living your life in the world. As you go to school, as you go to work, as you take a walk through your neighborhood, as you go to the grocery store, visit an aging parent in a nursing home, as you stand in the midst of whatever you are currently experiencing. Do you realize that each of these places is as much of the mission field as the most remote village somewhere else in the world? God's mission is that all nations, all people everywhere would know the love of God. That means you and the people you are with every day. Now, the second thing is learning. Jesus said that as you are going, make disciples. Notice that he didn't tell them to make converts. He told them to make learners or followers, for that is what disciple means. The term convert implies a quick and complete change from one thing to another, a before and after. Once you were that, now you are this. Well, conversion doesn't work that way for most of us. Conversion is a lifelong and once again, messy process. A disciple, on the other hand, is a person who is engaged in the process of life learning, investigating, walking with and growing. So we can engage people in authentic conversations and living in which we listen more than we talk. 
that will invite them to learn more about the way of Jesus in the world. And finally, this third little element in, in life formation, it's about life in the triune God. Jesus told them to dive into the life of God. That's what I think he meant by the phrase baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism isn't merely an event or a box to check on a religious to-do list. To be baptized is to be immersed completely into something. Baptism is that way of life. We are created by the loving community of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer of all things, to be in loving community with all people, with each other, and with the living God. We are invited each day to follow Jesus to the cross, to die to the sin that separates us from God and each other, as well as the death that binds us to be buried with Christ, and then to walk in the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. This is the life of God we immerse ourselves in for the world. So as we're living out our God-shaped formation in life, we experience all of life. We are learning by faith all the time, and we immerse ourselves in the life and love of the triune God. The third thing we learn about God's mission for us is that we do it together as community in the presence of Jesus. Jesus said, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now, is this another list of rules we're supposed to follow? Is this a faith test to determine whether we are in or out? You know, follow the rules you're in, but, but break them, disobey them, you're out. No, not at all. What were the commands of Jesus? And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, he said. Love God, love your neighbor. That's it, that's the beginning and that's the ending of, of the law that we must follow. Every human activity is contextually bound and predicated and evaluated only on the test on whether it demonstrates the love of God for others, period. And we can love others knowing two things. First, we know the presence of Jesus who is with us to the end of the age. Second, we know that loving our neighbor and ourselves is totally dependent on grace the unearned favor and love that God has for each of us. Loving others is all dependent on God's grace. The love and grace of God are a gift, unearned, unmerited. But this is an issue. For as Robert F. Capon hopefully said, grace doesn't sell. You can hardly ever give it away because it works only for losers and no one wants to stand in their line. Well, I am grateful uh, to our Director of Operations, Ingrid Sewell, for digging up that opening devotional from so long ago at the beginning of the sermon. In hindsight, it seems almost prophetic. We were to be a missional church. And over the years, we have sought to be so. Ingrid also reminded me that the first scripture reading I chose as a preaching passage at St. Paul so long ago was Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. The last passage for me at St. Paul's is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. In other words, my friends, for 23 years, we have sought to go into all the world as followers of Jesus, to make disciples, and to faithfully express a Trinitarian love for a broken world. It is particularly crucial in these challenging times that we continue to look up as a people of hope. Well, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to serve as your rector. 
I am so excited what you and Bishop Jenny will do together in the missional work of serving others in the coming years. Yet the last word goes to a predecessor of mine, the Reverend Canon Dr. Henry Cody, a former rector of St. Paul's many years ago. This, in fact, is the conclusion of his sermon at the opening of the brand new sanctuary of St. Paul's Church in November 1913. Cody said, The church's duty is to reach out and dig deep. The two go together. No institution will prosper which doesn't believe in itself, its mission, its need, its power in God. The church of God will never advance if her policy is merely to keep alive. Defensive tactics win no battles. The church that holds her own is in peril of waning. The strength of the church is to leave the fortress and march boldly to fresh forms of enterprise, for God the Omnipotent is with us. He is our partner, therefore we cannot fail. May God bless St. Paul's Brewery from here to eternity. Amen.